Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Welcome to the Hawkeye Hotspot Podcast here on hawkfanatic.com. Coming to you a little bit later than normal, uh, extenuating circumstances. I was chipping ice off of my driveway and Scott was covering football down in Orlando. It is uh, Thursday, December 30th, a little after 3 p.m. Central Time. Um, Scott said he's not going to tease me with uh, the temperatures down there. (laughs) I looked at the weather today. We've got more snow coming in here at Iowa to greet him when he gets back this weekend. So Scott Docterman is my partner in crime here. Um, so it's pretty much shorts the whole time down there, Scott. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm in shorts now, um, you know, but I'm in my hotel room, but no, I've, I've wore shorts. Uh, I've also wore, you know, jeans and stuff, but not really anything too heavy i mean you don't need a sweatshirt that's for sure so it's it's like uh it's topped out at the 80s um i think it's starting to get warmer now so yeah pleasant weather um i don't want to rub it in or anything and i know you've been working hard and i know uh my if my son hasn't been he's going to be (laughs) Yeah, I told my son that today. I was like, if it snows seven inches, you're coming out and you're helping. The 11-year-old helped me this morning or this afternoon. She was good at helping me chip the ice. So we'll get more uh, reinforcements this weekend. Do you get a sense if there are a lot of Iowa people down there? I mean, obviously you have Iowa State down there too. Does it seem like it's being a decent crowd down there with people that have gotten away from this crappy weather? It's kind of been mundane, um, muted a little bit. I mean, Iowa State had a decent crowd at the bowl game. I think uh, there was, they listed 39,000 people at the Cheez-It Bowl, and I would say it was probably pretty close to half and half um, because Clemson's not that far away, and they're a very committed fan base too. And um, I haven't seen a lot of Iowa fans, but I expect that to grow fairly quickly. Um, tomorrow is the pep rally. That'll give me kind of a better gauge on it. And, um, I know there are some people coming down and it should be well attended, but, you know, probably my guess is it's probably at Outback Bowl territory levels, 15 to 20,000, you know, may, and maybe that's even a bit much, but, uh, you know, it, it's fascinating. I mean, this is a really good matchup. I think everybody expects it to be a very competitive game. And, and um, you know, it just 
it, bowl games, I think, from here on out are going to be weird. Um, we've seen, you know, now what, five or six shut down altogether again because of COVID. And we've seen a ton of opt-outs. Even, even Iowa's been hurt by opt-outs. So I think this is a, this is a matter where we're just going to have to see how people feel about these games going forward. Cause, uh, you know, the Citrus Bowl's the best outside the, the power or the New Year's Six, but still, it's, it's not the New Year's Six Bowl, at least in prestige. No, and I was interested to see what type of, uh, Interest. It's tough when you come off that. I mean, if if it would have been an exciting Big Ten championship game, mm-hmm. uh, Michigan State in 2015, I think people would be a little bit more engaged than they are. I haven't really been able to get a sense of what the inch. I mean, it's an Iowa football game, so people are certainly going to be interested. I just don't know what the investment will be. Whether it's you know putting it on the TV, traveling, and traveling was you know you know this. Mm-hmm. Traveling was expensive. Expensive. I stayed back because my company decided not to send me uh, because of the price of uh, the trip. Um, so it takes quite a bit of investment for the fans to, to, you know, take a trip down there and hotel, rent a car, whatever, whatever you have to do. It's a, it's a heavy investment with a lot going on in this country right now. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, the, the tickets and, and price were higher than any time I can remember any bowl game. And I was really surprised by that. I didn't think Orlando would be that high. I thought it would be more low, actually. So when I saw those prices, and and I started scoping that out probably early November, because I kind of figured, well, this this is the most likely destination. They're investing a lot by coming to five different Iowa games to watch. And they, you know, it's been a while, so they really wanted Iowa. So, and I was scouting, scouting those tickets. and I'm like, wow, this is incredible. I mean, you're talking 1500, 2000 and beyond, you know, for a ticket. So um, I got a cheaper one out of St. Louis, you know, which means you still had to drive to St. Louis, but, but it's, uh, yeah, it's still all the way around. It's it's been crazy, and then yeah, as you mentioned, you know whether it's rising COVID numbers and and the like. I mean, it's it's not easy right now. It's it's kind of tough. Yeah, and you just hope. Um, at this point, we're two days away. Um, we saw the UCLA situation where they canceled the bowl, but I think that was somewhat of an aberration. Um, they had issues, you know, leading up to the point where they pulled out, but. It seems like once teams get to the bowl locations, they've been okay. So hopefully, fingers crossed, everything's okay for Saturday. Yeah, I think so. I think both teams seem committed. I mean, they've been, they both have had open practices and there's been a lot of engagement there. I mean, you know, I haven't seen a lot of players like on the sidelines or, or whatever. So I, I don't think there will be a major problem. In fact, of all the teams down here that's had somewhat of a problem, I would say it would be Iowa State. And I don't know if it's, I don't think it's really that related, but, you know, they had like 35 players out of uniform on the sidelines last night. So I, I think you could see, I, I, I think both these teams seem pretty, solidly in favor of playing and and now it's good to see that there are a lot of games underway and and uh so it's not a, like a whole scale uh cancellations like last year and uh you know and then, and then the fascinating one was central michigan actually getting going from one canceled bowl to, to playing in another so I, I thought that was pretty cool yeah it's definitely some musical chairs going on right now and you just I know you feel the same way. You just hope that the guys that have practiced and are invested in playing um, and put their whole seat, you know, 
spent all the time they've spent on this season. This is kind of the culmination of that, that everybody that gets a chance to play can play, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's really what you hope for in these situations. And Iowa certainly is that case. And, and we know those guys and we know how, how, how hard they've worked. So hopefully they get out there to compete with each other one more time. Cause no matter who, you know, comes back and who leaves, this is the last time for this given team. Yeah, that's always, I, I know, you know, in all the years, you just get that sense of finality kind of, you know, sinks in when the game's over and you're talking to the players for the last time and, you know, they end up at the airport the next day and, you know, a lot of them are flying, you know, they don't fly directly home with the team. They'll fly to wherever location that they go. And it, it, you just wonder about the logistics of who has to arrange all that travel for the football team. That's crazy. But, but uh, you know, and, and so they've spent all that time, some cases, you know, four years together because some will be fifth year seniors, some are fourth year juniors. And, and so you played, you've done everything with these guys and now it's over. It's, it's kind of a sad moment. Um, reality hits in. And, and so you hope that they're all healthy um, for a lot of reasons. Um, and watching uh, just a brief view of the warmups, you know, I was happy to see Cody Entz was able to get some action um, at first team guard. Cause I really think he's been, a missing piece this year, his injuries that never, he never really seemed to come back from really impacted this offensive line. I think whether it was a guard, whether he could have stepped in and played tackle for a while, if he was healthy, I think he could have been a real asset. And if he's healthy next year, um, he'll be a big part of whatever they have. Yeah. um, I agree. Um, We talked about that on this podcast before his absence is, been underplayed, I think, in terms of the offensive yeah. line struggles. Uh, anything else pop out of you from at least, you know, what you got to see from practice and, you know, other than quarterback, if you want to do that at the end, <laughs> um, just kind of what you witnessed just in terms of who was working with the ones and, you know, anybody that looked like they were in that hadn't been in or out that had been in or, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um I'm, I'm trying to think. I mean, all three running backs kind of rotated in. Um, you know, Lee Sean Williams got a little bit of a look, and <clears throat> I tell you what, he looks the part, and uh, they have a lot. They really like him. So, I mean, I I hope he gets a good chance. That it sounds like he's they're gonna they might even split the carries like three ways on Saturday, and then or you know whatever that means if they find another uh, you know find someone. It, it, you know, maybe in the third quarter, they say, well, we're going to turn it to Gavin Williams or the Sean Williams or even Ivory Kelly Martin. I think that's probably what will end up happening. Um, so, you know, we, we got just kind of that open period or whatever. But, uh, you know, one of the things I like about it is it gives you a chance to kind of look at and gauge a lot of the players, and you know, size wise. And I tell you what, the, the, the true freshman offensive linemen are just monsters in size. I mean, they're just massive david davikoff is like i'm i yeah you know we were at like this uh fun city kind of place or whatever in in orlando this morning and he is just massive i and from what we gathered that he's got a good chance to kind of make a move 
next year. Jennings Dunker is another one, just big and massive. Bo Stevens. Uh, I mean, so, you know, I, I don't know if that means anything for Saturday. Probably not. But when you look at them, you're like, okay, they've carried, they've got already got the big size. Just wait till they get that two month period from January to March. And, and, uh, you know, by all accounts, I think they've got a shot. And I asked, did ask Brian Ferentz about that. And do they have a shot to really step in and, and, uh, compete for, and, and that, that's what needs to happen because the, the offensive line is, is as much as quarterback is the lightning rod and it hasn't, neither one has really played that well. The offensive line has, has been the reason why in a lot of cases. So I, I they kind of, you know, I kind of looked at them. I mean, no, no Terry Roberts. Uh, it's, it's a weird vibe. You know, Kirk said it again, you know, as he has all fall pretty much like, you know, <laughs> you know, you'd almost rather have a broken bone than a bone bruise the way he's had it. And, um, you know, he was just kind of running around, but he wasn't dressed or whatever. And, and uh, Matt Hankins, you know, it's looked like he had sh- shoulder surgery to go along with whatever was, whatever his uh, lower leg issue was. So, um, you know, got to see, you know, quite a few of those players and stuff and chat with a handful more. Um, you know, Tory Taylor was always being kind of funny as always, but, uh, you know, it was, it was good just to get those looks and take a few pictures and, and then, then uh, spend the off season, whether it's us two and, and all, all our stories trying to figure out what's next. So. Yeah, we get so few um, chances to see things like that, whether it be, you know, the couple times in the spring, couple times in the summer, that's pretty much it. And then around bowl time, you get, a you know, yeah. pretty, pretty few opportunities to kind of get a look at guys and how they're developing. So um, hopefully they got a lot of development time in during this bowl prep. That's, that's a big part of what they missed last year, mm-hmm. I think, really. And I think that showed up a lot on the offensive line, that inability to have, you know, a regular season last year and then have bowl prep to kind of get them into the spring. I think they kind of were playing catch up and with injuries and attrition and everything on the offensive line. So hopefully uh, they built a foundation this year. And I think they did with Richmond and Connor Colby. And you hope a guy like Jack Plum can take the next step and, you know, uh, Nick DeYoung. I mean, those guys all have reps now. Uh, Justin Britt. I mean, there are a lot of guys mm-hmm. now that have reps that didn't really have much coming into this season. So hopefully that's something to build on for next year because that offensive line isn't better next year. The offense isn't going to be much better next year. And uh, interested to see Saturday how they run the football, if they can get anything going on the ground. Yeah, and and that's a pretty good defense too. I mean, they're pretty good in a lot of areas. I mean, they're a very balanced team that they're facing. So you know, that's that's a really that's an issue that they've got to take up. And so yeah, if they can run the football at least a little bit, um, I think that that will put them in a in a good spot. It's just um, whether it's it's Mason Richmond, as you said, I expect him to get better. You know, he's had a he's taken his lumps this year as a redshirt freshman left tackle. And, and, oh, but that's one of those things where everybody does. I don't care how, I, I don't know that I can remember a redshirt, maybe Blinderbaum might be the only one redshirt freshman offensive lineman that just walked in and was like pretty good, you know, that, that early, um, you know, and I think if Ince plays and, and maybe has a rotation or something with shot, I think that, you know, that would be a, a real plus, but 
I don't know about you, but I, I expect Connor Colby to probably move outside. I think that's his best area. And, and I would expect Stevens and David Koff, uh, Mike Byslinski to be a involved center. They really like him. Um, you know, quite the bulldog is what, or pit bull. I think that's what the Linderbaum called him a pit bull. And then finally, um, you know, one, one other guy that's turned some heads I wrote about him is Joey Labus. And, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about him before a few times, Rob, and, and just, but he does look the part. He's tall. He's lanky. Um, so he, they want, you know, they need to get some, a little more meat on his bones. But, you know, he had some conversations with Ken O'Keefe in the brief period we were there. And, and I, I would expect him, if he's done that much on the scout team that, and done that well, that it's time for him to probably, um, you know, get a really strong look. And so I would expect that to be part of the, the off season plan list for for the coaching staff yeah a couple we can talk we'll dive a little bit into what brian ferentz said on uh is that wednesday uh the 29th yeah. with you guys a couple things you know when, and when asked about the quarterbacks and, and I, I i get that he and his dad don't want to reveal who's playing there's no competitive advantage to saying who's going to be in there or what the plan is um i don't know how much of an advantage it is to keep Kentucky in the dark because I'm sure Kentucky's looking at the Iowa offensive film this year going, oof, so, you know, Iowa hopefully comes up with a game plan that gives its, its players, uh, you know, an opportunity here. Um, but I get that. Just interesting that he said, I think it was, you know, I'm not worried about, what this decision for this game, what type of impact that has on the future. We want to win this game. And that's the right attitude. I just wonder if that's a foreshadowing at all of maybe they're getting a a vibe that, you know, these guys want to know what the situation is going into January for real. And we've talked about this almost every week, Scott, they have to be transparent here with all of these guys. You mentioned Joey Labus, sit them all down, whether it be with Brian Ken and Kirk all at the end of the season, bring them all into the office and say, listen, Mm -hmm. this is where everything stands. Cause I think that's what you owe these guys. I think you almost have to do it before uh, the end of this bull trip. Um, You know, now an injury may impact that, but if if you're looking at um, by the time they leave, they may want to figure out what's their next step. Uh, You know, you look at, at Alex Padilla, for instance, if he is clearly number two this week, which that's what the vibe is. I mean, when we, we talked to both quarterbacks. Any vibe that there's going to, that it's going to be like a situation like the tax layer where, where no. they both got to play? No. And Kirk said no on that. Okay. You know, cause we asked it, cause I, I think it was either Chad or Tom asked him if, if there was a chance that they would rotate or something like that. And he's like, nope, that's not our plan. So, the vibe that I got was this is going to be Spencer and it's going to be Spencer, you know, kind of almost like big 10 championship until he got annihilated. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty. Yeah. That was rough. And his, uh, his bruising was severe. Let's put it that way. And he, he kind of described it on the side and I, not really at liberty to say it. <laughs> yeah, he got the, uh, for the old Happy Days fans, he got the Malachi Crunch, man. He yeah. got poofed in between two guys. 
it he was severely bruised from his midsection all the way down his legs and everywhere in between. So he couldn't hardly do anything. Um, so, but at this point he's healthy, he's moving around. Okay. And, and if it's Spencer Petras starting, if you're Alex Padilla, you want to know, is this, does this mean it's just for this game or does this mean that it's going to be this way going into uh, the second half of, you know, the next spring, you know, all off season, is it a competition or is he the odds on favorite? You know, all those questions should be out there on the table and discussed openly. And, and if you're, you got to be transparent and they said that word a few different times. And, and I believe them. I think so. I think they'll be as transparent as possible. And, and if you're Alex Padilla, you can either say, well, this is still the opportunity I want. I want to compete. Or if you don't feel like you have that, great opportunity to compete then well you know Colorado State's open um Wyoming's open right now there are other schools that'll have openings and you know you only you've got a finite amount of time so it might be worth it to explore um you never know Spencer graduate maybe maybe spent and I'm just speculating but maybe Spencer looks at his current situation and thinks I can't get to the league right now I'm, I'm in an offense that doesn't use my strengths maybe they do but Maybe they don't. And, and, uh, you know, maybe he looks for another opportunity too. So, but they've got to be open. And, and maybe if they say, look, it's a complete open competition, you're both starting at the starting, the starting line is in the same spot this year, unlike last year. And hey, you got to, you know, Spencer's got to evaluate that one too, because he's only got one more year left. Does he really want to get into a, you know, a serious competition with somebody who has played a lot? So I, I, I think it's a fascinating discussion. I would have it here. I would have it here tonight, tomorrow, whatever. Uh, let them know where they stand. And and then uh, that way they can go home to their parents after this game and figure it out and decide within a week or so. And and that way they can enroll in classes or move out or do whatever they need to do and, and uh, start fresh. Hard decision all, all the way or hard decisions all the way around, Scott, as we've talked about, because it's it's just not – there's a lot of gray area. You don't know, you know, you can – you have to predict the trajectory of all of these guys. You know, does mm-hmm. Spencer feel like he's clearly the guy? Does he feel mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. going to be a competition in the spring? As you said, he's got one year left. Does Padilla feel like Labus is catching him and mm-hmm. has the opportunity to pass him? They all have to make those decisions. The coaches have to make the decisions of, you know, what what's the upside here? What, what's our best way to go here? And uh, I think it's fair to say probably unlikely that all three of the scholarship quarterbacks currently on the roster will be here in August at camp. But maybe mm-hmm. – I know Kirk said he, that's his hope, but mm-hmm. hope, hope and uh, – <laughs> <laughs> 50 cents will get you a bad cup of, cup of coffee. <laughs> well, you can wish in one hand and here's do whatever in the other. And I'll tell you which gets filled first. Um, you know, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> I would say that it's probably, I, I think Joey Labus will be at Iowa. Um, but out of the other two, it, yeah, it, it's, it's not, uh, he, you're not speculating and going too far out on a limb to say, it's unlikely that both both stay. I mean, it's just 
Yes, they very well could. Maybe they just love it here. But but when you got a quarterback from California and a quarterback from Colorado coming to the University of Iowa, both have had that taste of starting and playing. Um, both won it really badly. Um, you know, at some point, that trumps the 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 love of the school and the program. It just always does. So I don't. I, I think that's why it's it's a tough situation for Iowa. And then, and then what's left is you may only have two quarterbacks, um, you know, in the spring. <laughs> now, what's really fascinating is they brought back an old friend <laughs> to help them, you know, with some snaps in the spring, and that's Connor Kapisak. Uh, he was a, a walk-on for, what, a year or two, I think, and then decided to hit the transfer portal last year, found no suitors whatsoever, and uh, then just stayed enrolled as a student. Well, after what happened to Spencer and after Deuce Hogan transferred, they uh, they called up <laughs> Connor and said, hey, would you be interested in just kind of helping us work through bowl prep and, and going down to the bowl. And they, he agreed. So, um, so he's just, you know, kind of here taking snaps and handing off to people and scout running scout team, which has really helped for Joey Labus too, mm-hmm. because it's enabled him to work with um, at least in the, you know, work with the ones and the twos quite a bit throughout the December and turn those heads and, and showcase his abilities and, and then if you get into the spring, you know, ideally, if you're Iowa, you'd like to have one kind of camp quarterback, you know, kind of Connor Kapasak or another guy just to come in and, and do that kind of scout team work. And then you can have, you know, whether it's Labus and the holdover, Spencer, figuring things out. And then that way you can kind of see what's going on before Car- Carson May arrives on campus. Maybe Rick Heller will lend you Marcus Morgan for – Couple practices. He uh, <laughs> he was a hell of a high school quarterback. He I think he can play at this level. But another discussion for yeah, another right. day. I think Marcus is pretty locked into being a pitcher. Um, kind of the that's kind of the the micro the quarterback position. Macro more. You guys got into with Brian yesterday about the identity of this offense. What did you make of his answer? Um, obviously, I've seen plenty of reactions from the fans, and uh, I would say the majority are not good. I would say that the answer was was exactly the answer you'd expect. It got long-winded. Words didn't out. Really, yeah, it was just kind of let's throw some words here and here and here and here. And, uh, you know, he said the identity is simple. We want to be a group that supports the team and wins games, and we need to win those games. You know, and they're a three-phase team, and they want to be physical and all that stuff. And it really didn't – to me, none of that made – was directly impactful on the identity of the offense. I mean, okay, you want to be a running team that's physical. Great. So is Wisconsin. Well, what could you do to get maximize this offense? Um, and, you know, that none of that came out. You know how he is. This was a very finite amount of time. So we didn't get a whole lot of time. We only had like five or six questions anyway. And it was like a 15-minute block. And he can filibuster better than anybody else out there. So it was very long. And, and then, you know, then once he kind of got past a little bit of it, and it was like, well, one thing that's never going to change, this is one guy's 
opinion. Football is a physical game. I think that's what's unique. You know, you're like, okay, I gotcha. You're not going to answer the question or, you know, not give us anything. They want to, they want to win football games. Um, and the best way to do it is, is through the complimentary approach, which I understand. And I, you know, for Iowa, I agree with it because you're not going to find four, three receivers run four, three everywhere. And five stars aren't just knocking on your door, but you got to get more out of that offense. <laughs> and, and I think there needs to be some change in the passing game because, you know, reading between the lines, this is one thing that um, Alex Padilla brought up was the complicated nature of this offense. And it takes a year to year and a half to learn it. And to me, that's just too much. I'm not saying that you, you have to learn it on day one, but when you can see true freshmen making an impact, and I, and I don't mean just any impact, but like a uh, Trevor Lawrence impact or Jameis Winston impact, and, and in other schools, you've got to have you've got to realize that your offense is just too complicated for the sake of being too complicated, and that's really more in the passing game. So they've got to do something there. Um, I'm not an offensive coordinator, so I can't make too many strong suggestions, but I would say something different is probably what I would uh, push towards. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, I think Iowa's always had a maybe a smaller margin for error with the way it plays football, and I think mm-hmm. that margin for error has tightened even more. And you think about the games this year from, you know, Penn State, even Iowa State was a little dicey at times, but all the games, Nebraska, uh, Minnesota, all the games that went their way, you can't expect to do that every year. You need to have your offense pick up more of the the complementary portion of the football. Otherwise, that margin of error is just too thin. There's going to be, you're going to get a 10, 10 and 2 season, but then you're also going to get, you know, whatever, eight and four, seven and five. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you really cap yourself by if you go into this offseason and say, listen, this is our this is our philosophy. We're going to zone block. We're going to inside outside zone. We're going to keep the same route tree, all that stuff. We just need to execute better. If you do that, you're next year. The margin for error will be even smaller than it was this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right, because. When you look at this season and the way the offense play, this is a seven and five season. This is the type of year where you lose more of those games than you lost. So they 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 were able to their credit to get ten wins, and that was that's a special year on wins and losses. But how did you do it? And uh, you know, a victory on Saturday. I heard I overheard this earlier today. Is you know that that would in some ways be the enemy of progress, (laughs) especially if they play well, you know, because then it's like we only won 11 games for the fourth time in in school history. And all you guys do is bitch about the offense. And I, and I can get that, but we also think that there's more there to be get, you know, you know, you can instead of winning 28, 21 at Nebraska, because you're able to get a blocked punt and, and, you know, some turnovers. Well, maybe it's, 42 to seven. Now the flip is in 2020, they were able to run the ball very effectively. And that kind of, that was a really good deodorant for that passing game, which had two very good wide receivers. Now you're looking at, you know, wide receivers that are young, uh, Arlen Bruce and Hegan Johnson. We think they're going to be good, but 
you know, Amir Smith-Marset can do things that they don't have. You know, he's just a burner. And, uh, and Brandon Smith was an elite athlete, and they didn't have a quarterback to get him the ball. I think that's, that's part of it. But they're capable of making some changes, some strides, and, and, a, and if they have a good quarterback, it can really, you know, energize the whole entire unit. But, till, but otherwise, when you play the, in the margins, this, this 10 and 3 year could very easily be 7 and 5 next year, no question. What do you expect to see Saturday? I know it was asked of him, you know, can't change, make wholesale changes in a month. Um, they asked of Brian yesterday. Um, yeah. do, do you think there's some innovation here? Some, some departure from tendency? Do they do some things or is it just, Hey, we're going to do what we do and hopefully execute well enough to beat Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I really I, did know. I asked you a question that I don't know the answer to either. I just I don't know what to expect here. Yeah, I I don't expect them to deviate too much. Maybe you see a new wrinkle or two. Maybe a new I don't know about formation or new grouping or something like that. How about a but wildcat I think, or something? Or yeah. some more jet sweep action or just something like that. Yeah, I can see a little bit more of that. They haven't run Wildcat since I think week two, maybe, or week two or week three. I mean, it's just it's been so long ago, and that was a Tyler Goodson staple. And and I and, and that's one thing that I always kind of like. What are you guys doing when you inserted when you at least had Tyler Goodson on the field with Tyrone Tracy? You had great athletes. Now mm-hmm. now both of them are gone. And no offense to Spencer Petrus, he's not really considered a great athlete. You know, at least running running the football. So, you know, you're already playing 10 on 11 when you have a quarterback like Spencer Petras or, um, you know, before him, Nate Stanley, except in sneak situations. So in some ways, it's like you got to, you're going to have to open up your mind here. And, and it could be blocking patterns that we, it's harder to spot. Um, but I think that they're going to still try to do the same things that they generally always do. They're going to try to run the football. They understand that. The guy to, to do a lot of that is behind Tyler Linderbaum. I think they're going to try to get as many touches as they can for the running backs because they want to see them all. Uh, LeSean Williams looks pretty big now. I mean, I the, from you know a couple of conversations I had with some staffers just on the side, they they think highly of him, so they think he's got a chance to be a breakout type performer and. And uh, it could come right at the right time as, as two other potential breakout performers come along the campus. So um, I would expect to see him. I'm really fascinated at wide receiver, Rob. Um, you know, I mean, Keegan Johnson, Arlen Bruce, Charlie Jones will get a chance and, and, and Nico Regani. But, you know, are they going to throw anybody else out there? Will we see a Brody Brecht? Will we see, you know, any anything else? Or are they just going to kind of, tighten up the rotation, allow those guys to play. You know, I don't think uh, – um, what's his face? Uh, I don't think uh, Nico Regani has been real happy. You know, so, you know, what does that mean for him? I mean, he maybe he doesn't want to be here. You know, we that's just speculative. But I think in some ways you gotta you got to look at everything. Yeah, and the issue there is you're only throwing so many passes – and completing so many of those that it really decreases the amount of opportunities that these guys get. So it's tough to make everybody happy. 
And that's just, that's part of the rub here. And as you said earlier in the podcast that, you know, Kentucky's a good defense. Um, I think mm-hmm. the one place where Kentucky's susceptible, at least from a statistical standpoint, is against the pass. Can Iowa take advantage of that? I think Kentucky's like 87th uh, in pass efficiency defense. Um, that's not good. But is Iowa capable of taking advantage of that? I don't know. <laughs> I do. I, I, I hate to say it. question. But- Right. I, I I wish I had an answer for it. That was, you know, like, yeah, I think they can do this if they do this. Um, I think they can hit some plays down the field on occasion. And I would take extreme advantage of Sam Laporta, who I think is a really good player. Um, maybe even some two tight end situations. But, you know, you, you're, you're – probably thinking, all right, they're going to at least throw one tunnel screen. <laughs> you know, they're... They have to do that for O'Keefe. Yeah, O'Keefe, and remembering, you know, the last time when they were going, <laughs> we used to do that all the time, you know. <laughs> so I, I think they can a little bit. I th- they're going to have to try to establish a run. On a hot day like that, you can't just... Even if you run it for two yards a carry, you're going to still have to try to run the football. Um, they're going to run behind Linderbaum. They've got to be cognizant of the pass rush. I mean, that is a, a pretty good team that way. Mm-hmm. Josh Pascal is a really – he's kind of iffy, though. I don't know if that means he's going to end up uh, playing or not playing. Now, you know, the other side is they've got some good athletes on offense. Their offensive line is really good. And uh, and that's probably the area where I was a little bit more susceptible on defense is, you know, we all can see that that defensive line is going to be outstanding in about a, maybe a year to two years down the road. And I, but they're not quite there yet. They're they're still young. They're still growing. And this is one of the best offensive lines in the country. Darian Kennard was first team All American and just he's he's legit. And uh, you know Chris Rodriguez had you know, almost 1,300 yards rushing. Um, and then you look at Will Levis, you know, is, is a dual threat guy that Iowa loved, as you know. I mean, I think you talked to him. You're one of the first people to talk to him about his Iowa thoughts. And, um, you know, he throws 12 interceptions, which gives Iowa that plus on that side of things. Because, yeah, if he throws three interceptions and Iowa can take advantage of it, then that's a big deal for the Hawkeyes. And uh, Kentucky's receivers, like number two and number three, like Josh Ali, they're not playing. So that's that's a big and plus their, for them. He but, was their best punt returner too. So yeah, right. Yeah, he had a I think one against Mississippi State, if I recall. So, Took one back. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, might have been Mississippi State. Yeah, and then Wandale Robinson. Everybody knows um, he was really good there you know kind of a slot receiver and I actually asked Will Levis about it I go it kind of reminds me of one of your former teammates Penn State KJ Hamler he's like well that's probably because they wore the same number (laughs) everybody kind of laughed I'm like oh no I think they they are a little bit like so this is a team with really good players and they're they're well coached the one thing if there is one big difference is that they are minus 13 in turnover margin and I was plus 14 so they don't take, they're not very disciplined. They don't take care of the football very well. And, uh, and so I do think that that's some area that I will exploit at some point. Now, will it be enough? Will it, you know, they get two interceptions and a fumble recovery and turn it into two field goals and, and, and a punt, you know, that's, that's the key. Iowa has to 
score some touchdowns. And as we know, in the red zone, it's more like the dead zone for Iowa. (laughs) And uh, yeah, to your point, Kentucky doesn't take the ball away very often. They don't create turners, turnovers on defense, and then they turn the ball over on offense. Iowa's got to take advantage of that. That's got to be that's got to be a big plus in Iowa's column. I think Iowa's got better special teams. I I think Iowa overall is a better defense. I think the offensive depth is where the issue is, and that's where you need turnovers. You need you need what Iowa's needed all year: good yeah. punting. Good return game, create turnovers, do everything you can to help the offense as much as you can. Right. Exactly. And I mean, it's like, it's like going, you know, you're a construction worker and you're a you construction worker, tough guy. And I've got great friends who are, so I'm not dissing anybody, but just a, a hardened, tough dude. But you're going up against somebody that's bigger than you, stronger than you, faster than you. Well, maybe you need an evener. Maybe you need something to help you out a little bit. And that might be that two by four. And that's kind of what I was, uh, you know, some of their, uh, uh, you know, the, the turnover potential and punting game, and you know, the, the two by fours are the, the uh, special teams units. And so I, I think, you know, Caleb Shudak, other than that miss in the big 10 championship game was, has been money all year. Tory Taylor has been fantastic. They've done a good job covering punts. The, so, it, but Iowa has to play to that too. Iowa can't, I mean, what, what happened in the big 10 championship can't ever happen again, or you'll see a, a devastation like that. I mean, two huge plays on defense against the Wolverines, a block punt, that stuff just can't happen for Iowa. And, and I would imagine that they've thought about that too, but um, they seem pretty loose. You know, they, they also seem tired of talking to us, which I understand. And so we'll, uh, you know, and, and that's the first time probably all year that, that I've gotten that five. So except Kayvon, he, he was happy. <laughs> Kayvon's such a good kid. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I was thinking about this the other day. I may have been talking to somebody about it. Sometimes you worry about a team when they get just their ass handed to them, like, Iowa did in the Big Ten championship game. But for some reason, you know, this coaching staff, this program, they find a way to almost use that and, uh, you know, bounce back from from moments like Mm -hmm. that. They they seem to – that seems to motivate them to, to, you know, almost like a light bulb moment like shit, we, you know, we got to clean all this stuff up. So I don't think it's, it, there's going to be any confidence issue with Iowa in this game. No, you know, and, and I felt that way all along. This is, if there is one major intangible about Kirk and, and the staff that they've been able to do is they bounce back from disappointment better than anybody else I've ever seen. That's not and, easy uh, either. That's not no. easy. Very, very rarely. I can. I, I think only two situations where you looked at this team and they went, they went down in the dumpster, and they really couldn't get back out of it. And that was in '06 and '14. Because even in '12, they had all those injuries. You know, when yeah. when Sheriff and they weren't very good anyway. 
you know, so you kind of start with a low bar to begin with. And then when you have Sheriff and Donnell going out in consecutive plays in one game, that, that kept them from a bowl game. But, but I think in 06, they really tumbled down that hill. And, and in 14, they tumbled down that hill. But otherwise, you know, years like 2010, where their expectations were similar to what Iowa State just experienced. And they lost those games at the end of the year. They were very close, tough. And then they got it, they got it up and went down to the inside bowl against number 12 Missouri that won 10 games and, and played really hard and played, you know, I mean, even, you know, Adam Robinson couldn't go, you know, and, and they still found a way to, to make it work with Marcus Coker and, um, Micah Hyde. And so I, I think that, and, and they had to play against the first round quarterback. So they do a really good job of bouncing back. And, you know, will it be enough? You know, I don't know. Kentucky's pretty interesting too. I mean, a couple of interesting aspects of this is one, Iowa's won more non-conference games in a row than any other team in the country right now at 16. Kentucky's second at 15. So one of those two is <laughs> going to be the champ on, on uh, Saturday, you know, and then we've talked about it before, you know, the Mark Stoops connections. I mean, he played at Iowa, his family, or black and gold all the way. And, um, you know, he's going to want to put up a good performance. And it seems like the, the players and the coaches are kind of there with them. So I'd imagine that they've got some pretty good schemes. For Iowa, to me, it's about kind of absorbing the first uh, first couple of plays of the game. You know, first couple, maybe first series or two. Because sometimes when the script comes, then that's when – they get kind of run on until they kind of settle in. So if they can keep them at bay offensively for a series or two, then I think they'll settle in and it'll be a very competitive four quarter game. Yeah. And as you mentioned, I think a key, one of the keys for me is how Iowa's defensive line matches up with Kentucky's offensive line. They, they got uh, taken, taken to school against Michigan and, and Michigan's offensive line's better than Kentucky's, but Kentucky's mm-hmm. not that far behind. This is, as you said, one of the better offensive lines. And if Kentucky can get Rodriguez going um, and, and open some other things up or, or you know, Levis gets loose on uh, some RPO stuff, it could be a long afternoon there for the, for the defensive line. So that's, to me, that's something to keep an eye on. For sure, for sure. And, you know, and, and getting those educations is, isn't all a bad thing for that defensive line. I mean, losing, yeah, sucks. And you, you wanted to win that game. But, but to get pounded and get beaten by a really good offensive line for those young players like YA Black and Deontay Craig and um, Lucas Van Ness and, you know, all of them. I think they're all, I think they've got five or six guys that are in that class that are just going to be fantastic. I think it's healthy, you know, because now they got it on tape. This is what you do, and this is why you got blown up. And, uh, you know, let alone some of the older guys. So, yeah, I, this is a really good offensive line, and they can embarrass you if they let them. Now, Iowa's always still pretty good defensively. I expect them to, to slow down the running game, not completely stop it. And then, uh, you know, then they've got some pretty good linebackers that, you know, I've kind of, it's kind of weird. I've been writing some about this stuff, and I'm like, you know, I haven't mentioned a lot about the linebackers, even though they totally deserve it. Um, they're really good. And by the way, Seth Benson cut his hair. So you know, I saw that in the photo. That's disappointing. Yeah. yeah. He said he wanted to, but nobody would let him do it until the end of the season. Then he wanted to do it the game, the Michigan game. And I was like, eh, I can't. <laughs> Fun little dumb quotes that just kind of work their way in on bull trips. Hopefully it's not a Samson thing. 
with him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And he loses his <laughs> strength. Yeah. So yeah, today we got to see him take some rides. They went on some kitty rides and, uh, they, uh, went and pet an alligator. I did that. I thought it was cool. Uh, so, <laughs> so then they all went up over to Universal Studios and it was pretty packed there. So thankfully I didn't show up because my claustrophobia would get the best of me. <laughs> oh, it sounds like everybody's having a good time down there. And, uh, that's, that's, that's a, a big part of this too. You want to win the game, but you also want to have an experience, you know, with your teammates, uh, on a trip. It is, it's a vacation in a lot of ways, uh, a working yeah. vacation, but a vacation nonetheless. You sense, uh, you sense I was going to have anybody um, opt out of this thing. And second part of that, because we saw that kind of as the week went on for Iowa State. Um, and then um, in, in terms of the guy who did opt out, um, I'm, I really like Tyler Goodson. And I don't want this to come off as me um, dissing him or, or, or devaluing him. But this off the offensive struggles were bigger than Tyler Goodson, so I'm mm-hmm. not sure how, how how much him being out is that detrimental. Just in terms of Iowa's got to do the whole. They've got we talked about. It. They've got to be better up front. They've got to be better in play calling. All that stuff. To whether it's Tyler Goodson or any of the running backs to give them a chance. Yeah, yeah, it's true, and and I, I'm there with you with Tyler. And in some ways, if Iowa had the same offensive line it did in 2020, that Tyler Goodson's the perfect back for that. And he showed it. You know, that's why he's first team all Big Ten. Um, Alaric Jackson, the more I watched this season, the more I realized, damn, they missed the hell out of him. He was really good for them in setting the edge and allowing, um, you know, allowing the, the what, what Tyler was able to do effectively. And uh, it's just going to be a matter of, and maybe, you know, Tyler was looking for a lot of openings that weren't there. And some, and a lot of times what they ask you to do is just punch through, yep. get the, get the yard. Maybe it's only a one yard loss. He was trying to look for a different way. And a lot of times he was getting three to four yard losses. Um, and that's not ideal, but he, you know, he got also, he was also capable of the home run and, and I'm not sure the others are, but I'm not sure that they're not either because I haven't seen it very much. Um, I don't think there's going to be any opt-outs um, because Iowa State, um, you know, Brees Hall did it earlier right. and he was able to go. And Mike Rose did it yesterday, but he's had a lot of injuries. Uh, and he had a shoulder situation and and that was really, um, you know, that was really part of it. So I, I think I don't get the sense that there are going to be any, that, you know, there's not going to be a, you know, a Zach Van Valkenburg or Tyler, certainly not Tyler Linderbaum. You know, he wouldn't have gone through. If you're going to opt out, you would have done that day one. Yeah. And I, I, I think, I think he would play with a broken leg to finish it out his career. <laughs> you know, so and he'd be better than all the other centers with the broken. Yeah. Leg. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, just he'll be like, I just can't. I can only go gap today. I can't go zone. So. <laughs> I can't pull anymore. I. uh I picked Iowa to win this, Scott, 24 to 20. Um, I'm sure I'm probably in the minority here. I did my preview. I kind of looked at, at how the game shakes out. Um, you know, I, I think you look at both of these teams and, you know, you wouldn't say this often for nine and 10 win teams, but 
they didn't beat a lot of good teams. Neither team really has, a, you know, those what Iowa's best wins against Minnesota in terms of record. Minnesota's eight and four, I think. Yeah. And State's right. seven and five. Uh, Iowa State was seven and five. You know, Kentucky lost to Tennessee. Most of Kentucky's tougher game lost to Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. You know, and Georgia. Yeah. And well, Georgia, that one. Yeah. That's you, the equivalent you get, with Michigan. Right. But I, I'm not seeing it as much with with Kentucky. I, I maybe I'm off on this, and maybe it's the rose colored Hawkeye colored glasses here. But I think, you know, if Iowa can do just do something offensively, and I know that's a big if. I think <laughs> I think it can win this game. It's yeah, and and it's the hard thing because in the analysis, and a lot of times I look at Iowa, I scrutinize them so negatively. That it's sometimes I it's like I could talk myself into whoever they play in in and then you go into it and you're like oh that was no problem but <laughs> yeah you know and, and coaches do that too but you know running down Iowa's offense is an easy task but they still do score points once in a while and they still do still do make plays and Spencer Peters can still hit the deep ball once in a while and and uh, they feel pretty good about themselves every now and then so. It's possible, and again, if they if they intercept a couple of passes and turn them into touchdowns or turn them in, you know, whether that's directly or indirectly, you know, then, then they may have an easy win here. But I don't know. Um, I'm I'm probably leaning towards Kentucky just because of just because I don't trust Iowa's offense enough. Um, you know, they they had to squeeze every ounce of every every drop out of that ketchup bottle to get through so many different teams this year that it's like, is anything left? You know, and I don't know. And and this is a good enough team to where they have good enough players. I mean, we've seen Will Levis in action. Who's Iowa did a good job against him, but he still had some yards. Um, previously, Wondell Robinson's had some good games against Iowa. Iowa has beat all of them, you know, repeat, you know, but that's when they also had, Chauncey Golston and Davion Nixon and some other players. So, yeah, I'll probably go uh, Kentucky by a field goal. Kentucky by a field goal. I looked up um, the the Hawk. I had this in my advance. The Hawkeyes' ten wins came against teams with a combined regular season record of fifty-one and sixty-nine. Kentucky's nine wins came against teams with a combined record of forty-four and sixty-three. Wow. They beat some dogs, man. Louisiana yeah. Monroe. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember. Some of the te- – they they beat some dogs in those nine wins. And, again, I'm with you. I think Kentucky certainly is talented and has an offense that is <laughs> shown, yeah. shown more, a bit of a pulse this year with playmakers. But I don't know. I guess I'm hopeful that Iowa just does – something offensively in terms of wrinkles. I, I know it's not mm-hmm. going to be wholesale changes. Just give me some wrinkles. Give me a wildcat. Give me jet sweep. Give me, you know, lining Arlen Bruce in the back as a running back and, and throwing to him out of the backfield, like and get him one-on-one with a linebacker. Do something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, where, I'm with you. I'll take any of it. I, I've said it for years. I don't know how this team has been so mediocre at the screen game. And I don't mean the, the 
tunnel screen. I mean, screen game to the running back where you got you pull out your your guard, your tackle, and they run right behind them. I mean, if you're a move offense, you've got to have that, and that's what they are. And, uh, you know, and Linderbaum, he'd be killing people on that. I I can see this anyway. I you know any scenario plays out for me. I, I, I think of the Maryland game. Maryland was 4-0, and and Maryland had a very potent offense. I mean, uh, Talia Tagaviola was, I think, 10 touchdowns and one interception going into that game. In fact, I think – I want to say that he was, like, tied for first in completion percentage or least amount of interceptions thrown. And by the end of the game, he was leading the country. You know, so it, it was just that kind of a day for him. You know? and, and I was capable of wrecking everybody's plans. Um, it's just, mm, man, you about talked me into this, but I'm going to stick with Kentucky. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to probably be in the minority on picking Iowa. It's tough to get that 42-3 to three out of your head, too, and just the, yeah. the colossal collapse that that was. But uh, I think it'll be a four-quarter game. I know that's cliche, yeah. but I, I think this is going to come down to you know, making a play at the end, and hopefully Iowa's got one to make, a la the Penn State game. Yeah. They've had a lot of those. You know, you look at the Nebraska game. I mean, they the way they were able to make that happen, you know, even with field goals, and, and it, was, uh, it was tough. But they were able to do it. So I think that's in some ways a credit to them. Obviously, they've got good coaches. They've got good plans on two out of the three elements of football, and – and if their offense can match it, maybe, maybe, maybe. You know, I guess we'll find out. Yep. Looking forward to it on Saturday, uh, noon central time. ABC, I believe that game is. And uh, Kentucky, I think Iowa opened as a favorite. Kentucky moved to three points pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really, it hasn't moved. That line has mm-hmm. not moved. It's been like four, three Kentucky minus three, and I think it's like 44, 43 and a half, 44 is the, the total. And really, they haven't budged. I'll be interested to see in the next 48 hours uh, if they do move it all, because this is when the the sharp money comes in, Scott. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, yeah, it, it's going to be, you know, and I think it makes sense. <clears throat> I think, you know, you look at that three point and you think offense, you know, that that's yep. the difference here. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I noticed like, at least the picks, you know, for confidence picks and what have you, it's gone in pretty even direction, you know, that it's, it's like 52, 48, you know, in favor of Kentucky. So it's, uh, you know, I, I think everybody anticipates a close game. I can see a blowout either way, frankly, but um, I think you just until I, I hate predicted blowouts. I just don't know that very few times. The one, the one game this year that I thought, was going to be a blowout for Iowa was the Indiana game. And, and that was even with Indiana being ranked higher than Iowa at that point. I did know that one. I thought, okay, they this has got <laughs> – this is a bad matchup for Indiana because they just – they can't run the ball. They try to throw the ball down the field, and that's where Iowa really makes – has some problems. And, and uh, of course, Iowa ran for a touchdown like in what, the third or fourth play of the game. I thought they were going to be able to run the ball effectively this year. Yeah, and sometimes you get some insight into, you know, you know, gauging which, you know, if one or the other team doesn't want to be there. And you've already yeah. said, and I agree with you, that both of these teams are pretty interested in winning this game. So that you can't really find any uh, edge there. 
Yeah, I mean, and and these two teams in particular, they they seem motivated, and and uh, you know, Kentucky's a little bit ticked off because Riley Moss said something about you know Kentucky hasn't won a bowl game in a long, long time. I caught that, did. and I was like, yeah, so what? He doesn't know his history yeah. of Kentucky football, right? And, well, they're using <laughs> they're using it in the disrespect card and all that yeah, stuff. But, I know everybody oh. uses the everybody's being disrespected in this world. Exactly, and then. Uh, but, you know, the, the two teams I was probably more interested in, I covered that game last night, was Iowa State and Clemson. Because Clemson had been in the champion or the Final Four for six straight years, and now they're at the cheese Bowl with King Cheddarward or whatever his name is. And, and, and Iowa State. <laughs> that had, is creepy. Yeah, it is, for sure. Um, but And then, you know, Iowa State, everybody expected, you know, that this was supposed to be their year. And they felt, you know, they lost five games by a score or less and, uh, you know, just finish seven and six. So you wondered about motivation there. I think both teams are still equally motivated. I didn't see any kind of, you know, the 40 to three games that sometimes happen. It seems like that affects teams like Miami or, you know, know, an LSU or somebody like that, that has guys who sometimes lack motivation anyway. And we'll see if the weather has any impact. As, as you said, mm-hmm. it's humid down there. What, 85, yeah. 86 degrees is the forecast for Saturday. It's high noon, yeah. Florida. Mm-hmm. Well, see if that, see if anybody gets a little gassed. If somebody can sustain some yeah. drives, get the running game going. If that uh, starts, if, if either side starts to wear down. Yeah. And that's, that's a factor. I think that's a factor, you know, for both schools because it's not like Kentucky. I mean, it's in the mid South, but it's not like yeah. it's, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, sunshine and rainbows and seventy every day. Yeah. Although, although on Christmas it was pretty warm in the middle of the world, but mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that cold. But no, I I, I think though the cramp issue might be a factor. Though you might start mm-hmm. seeing guys cramp up who haven't had to deal with that for a while. So that's that's something to be to watch out for. Make sure you drink a lot of fluids. I don't want to see you cramping up. <laughs> yeah, cramp. <laughs> I cramp up, it's probably from something I ate. <laughs> Did you have a lot of Cheez-Its last night? I, I am zero. I, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple of funny anecdotes on that one, though. Um, at halftime, they, they served uh, Chick-fil-A sandwiches. And uh, you would have thought that they announced, you know, free money giveaway or something from the, the, yeah, the herd that the, left. The, I don't get the Chick-fil-A. I mean, it's good. It's chicken, though. Yeah. Right. I know it's not like it's Estella's or Ponchero's or, you know, no, something like that. No, it's not at all like that. It's not a, it's not a religious experience. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I was finishing up a couple of things and about five minutes later, I go out there <laughs> and they're all gone. All of them are gone. <laughs> Everybody else is eating them. And, and I'm like, ah, oh, there's no more Chick-fil-A. And she's like, no, but you can have as many uh, Cheez-Its as you want because <laughs> it's like a table full of <laughs> Cheez-It packets. And I'm like, eh, you know, we did get a free box of them, though. You know, that was <laughs> it had like a Clemson and Iowa State commemorative or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'll take it home and my kids can take it back to Minnesota when we take them up there to school. But I remember I got um, sick of the Tostitos down in Arizona after two years. In a row. Go, I bet. Yeah. (laughs) 
but uh, hospitality has a lot of Doritos and stuff like that. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, they're, they're all over the place. Although I'll be anxious to see if that's been replaced by tangerines and oranges tonight. Should be. I mean, we need that more than we do. Yeah, we need, uh, we need fresh fruit more than we need Cheez-Its. I can tell you that. Yes. Without question. But uh, hopefully, uh, Hopefully everybody down there has a good time. Hopefully uh, Iowa can give everybody a win. Uh, so uh, to make the, the trip a little bit more, uh, the money that you're spending on the trip a little bit more pal- palatable. Um, mm-hmm. Scott's got Kentucky by a field goal. I've got Iowa by four points. Um, don't use either one of us if you're betting real money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, that's not my thing. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a handicapper and I'm not, uh, yeah. I, I, I really do. I, I think this is a tough game to handicap. So I, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, like you said, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see this thing go either way and we'll see what happens. I'm interested. I'm, I'm very interested in seeing this one play out. I know. And I am too. And, and like, there are two different games that kind of go through my, or three different games that kind of go through my head how this could play out. And number one is the Maryland game and Iowa's favor. Yep. Just, oh, you know, hey, five interceptions by midway through the third quarter and it's just a blowout. Two is the Florida-Iowa game in the 2016 Outback Bowl or mm-hmm. 2017. But, and where it was just, you know, like, <laughs> it was like wrestling, you know, being 125 pounds of wrestling Spencer Lee and just getting <laughs> dominated. Um, and then, <laughs> and then the other part, and it this could work either way, is kind of Mississippi State Iowa yep. um, at the Outback Bowl a couple of years ago, where it was a pretty even matchup and work either way, and it's going to come down to the fourth quarter and who makes a play to win. And Iowa was able to do it that year. I don't know if they will this year, but you know that that to me is is probably where it plays out more. But it would surprise me if it ends up a different way. Yeah, fascinating to see this. Um, what do you got going on uh, at the athletic this week? What have you got for folks to get themselves ready for the game? Yeah, plenty. Um, it's been it's been a busy week. Uh, a lot of quarterback talk. I wrote about Joey Labus. I talked to his high school coach and just to get a background on him, a little bit better background on what he's capable of doing and. He was kind of, he kind of concurred with some of the other people I've talked to that the kid has it, you know, that just that intangible that can go out there and do different things and, and win games. And, um, so, you know, that, that's something going forward. I know people are excited to hear about him because it's new, it's different. We get it. Um, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't a ton of hype about him when he came in because there was more about, Deuce Hogan and, and stuff like that. But but I think the more he plays and just kind of the scout team reports we were getting from some of the players, you know, that they're pretty excited about him. And and uh, so I wrote about that. I, I'm writing – I'm doing a reporter breakdown with our Kentucky writer who, who isn't here, Kyle Tucker. He covers mostly the basketball program, you know, like C.J. Frederick and <laughs> that type of thing. But, um, but we were breaking down this game and then – uh, Grace Rayner covers Clemson. will stick around for the game on the Kentucky side. And um, so quarterback stuff, it's been crazy. And then I've done, you know, even today writing about Jirel Brock for Iowa State. I think people remember his name. And 
Uh, I'd like to try to swing over on Saturday at some point if possible and say hi to Ahmad Wagner, you know, who's a graduate assistant at Kentucky for football. And, um, you know, I think he was a, he was a really a likable young man when he was with the Iowa basketball program. And I, I know Chad swung by when I was doing some Iowa state work, he went to one of their practices and said that, uh, you know, he, he talked for a minute or two and he said it was just really weird to have to coach against the Hawkeyes now. So <laughs> Yeah, and Iowa tried to get him to join the football team when he was looking around, and uh, he chose to get a fresh start. So, yeah, how you know when you look back at that and you think, I understand why you know, and he wanted to play wide receiver. Iowa saw him as a tight end. Um, he probably looked and saw Fanton Hawkinson and thought, eh, I'm not <laughs> playing here. Um, but if he would have stuck to it in like an 18 and kind of worked behind them, maybe maybe got on this field a little bit, but then in 19, he could have been a guy, you know, maybe that would have helped him, but alas, here we are. <laughs> good dude. Good dude. And uh, hopefully yeah. this is a good start for him uh, as a GA at Kentucky and crazy going into the coaching business, but uh, that's his choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wish him a ton of luck. So check all right. that stuff out at the athletic that Scott's got going. We're not going to, Dive into basketball much. There's only been one game since the last time we talked. Uh, Iowa beat uh, Scott's alma mater by 20 points. And uh, to, to wrap up the the uh, non-con season at 10-3, and three, they get uh, back into Big Ten play on Monday against Maryland uh, at home at Carver at 8 o'clock. Uh, we'll talk about that next week and more basketball next week and maybe some wrestling and women's basketball although women's basketball has had games canceled this week against Penn State and Illinois because of COVID. So uh, it's a fluid situation, but we'll be back next week to, to recap the, the bowl game, talk some more basketball, uh, talk about probably how we're feeling about who's coming back and who's leaving, uh, recap the season, kind of some things we've talked about. And uh, yeah, that's about it. You got anything else? No, I think we're we're all set. I hope everybody has a happy New Year. I mean, New Year's Eve is tomorrow, and 2022 is two days away. And it's crazy to think about that. But uh, I've been down here for uh, almost a week now, so I'm kind of I'm not envying you, Rob, for all the work you had to do outside before this. But uh, I know it's coming my way. But I'm I'm kind of anxious to get back to the homeland. Yeah, I know that feeling. Um, I certainly do. But uh... Yeah, Happy New Year to everybody, and uh, hopefully 22 is better than 21. 21 was a bit better than 20, but we need a really good 22. Hopefully that, that comes through for us. So Happy New Year, everybody, and we will talk to you next week on the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast. Say goodbye, Scott. Bye, Scott.